1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the It's Always Draft Season podcast, part of the Packernet Podcast Network. Jake Shavink here with you guys on this lovely Friday. Don't want to do too much with this intro, just because I think we have so much to talk about this week. Where you know we're going to get into some some news that was that broke a little bit last week. We're going to get into I think one of the key risers in the draft right now, and just kind of go through a lot of his stuff. Uh, we're going to look at the 2024 top 10 we're going to talk about two specific teams not in the top 10 that are reeling That w- w- what directions they could look in the draft we're going to look at some prospects for the Packers in the top 10 and then we're going to get to prospects to watch maybe not the biggest week in terms of matchups in college football right from a team perspective but from a prospect perspective there are some really really excellent ones so let's get it rolling we're, we're going to cut the intro a little short here keep it keep it down and then we're going to get into all this stuff there's going to be a lot going on In this episode, so to start things off here, I think you want to get to this news, and it's it's pretty big news when it comes to you know how the draft process is going to operate a little bit this time around because you're going to get underclassmen now who are going to be eligible for the All Star Games, Hula Bowl, NFLPA Bowl, Shrine Bowl, and Senior Bowl. And most notably, those last two, right? Because the Shrine Bowl definitely does have a lot of exposure, right? Practices later in, in the week and then a game on the weekend. It bleeds into Senior Bowl week a little bit, right? That that week off that leads up to Pro Bowl weekend, which not many people are, are concerned about. So they kind of bleed together a little bit. So they kind of fight for, for recruiting and stuff like that for the top seniors, right? The Shrine Bowl has some names on there. The Senior Bowl has already some accepted invites that, you know, we have mentioned on the pod which is really cool, right, Cooper Beebe being one of those that's, that's headed down to Mobile, at least as of now. Things will change before them, but it's opening the door to the juniors, which I think is really interesting. Now, would a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. or Brock Bowers go down there? Maybe, and maybe it's just to meet with teams. I don't know if I would practice if I were either of them. right? You look at Fashanu, you look at Joe Alt at the top of the draft, you look at some of these edge rushers, Dallas Turner. Jared Verse and Liatulatu would be eligible, I believe, anyway. So that, that gets interesting. You know, you got Jershon Newton and, and Cooper DeGene, who would not be uh, excuse my hiccup, JC Latham, Roma Dunze. If you keep going down this, this, this board, you're looking at a lot of guys who could go, okay, maybe they do want to show up. And I think it starts with obviously the quarterbacks. And I think what makes it really interesting this go-round is there's a lot of QBs. If you look at just the QBs, right now and and we have a confirmed uh i believe accepted invite from tulane quarterback michael pratt who i think is a really interesting prospect and i think we're going to cover a lot of the senior bowl guys obviously once once that has been finalized which should be in a few weeks right once the college season and the championship weekend is done but we can we can kind of get there as we go but pratt joining this in a in a Class with a lot of senior quarterbacks is interesting to me because you have, right, you have Bo Nix who's eligible for that already. Michael Penix would be eligible for that. Jane Daniels, who we're going to talk about a little bit, would be eligible for that. Like Spencer Rattler could go. Jordan Travis could obviously go. There's so many guys. DJ Uyangalale could go. Sam Hartman could go. So you get to this and you go, okay, wow, that's the seniors. And then you have J.J. McCarthy. Who I think could really, really benefit from his time down in Mobile, I feel like that's a player who's going to go if if given that opportunity. So you have that. Maybe Quinn Ewers. I don't know if he's going to declare. There's a lot of talk about him going back to school. Obviously, same with Shitter Sanders. So I, I think you know those potentially guys. Those guys might potentially be out of there. Cam Ward obviously would would be eligible already. So, but when you look at JJ McCarthy going, right? But you have all these seniors. It's going to be interesting because usually the the number is six. And often they they love to see if they can stretch out for, you know, a smaller school guy. It's possible they do that. It's possible they don't. But I think it gets really interesting now because, I mean, could Caleb Williams benefit from going down there? Sure. He's not going to hurt himself. I, I think getting in front of scouts and showing that, you know, you can run an offense, you can run a a simulated two-minute drill and stuff like that could be really beneficial for him who has struggled a little bit in structure. For Drake May, maybe it's just like, all right, I'm going to go down there and show you that I'm the number one QB in the class, and then they do that. So those three at the top, it gets really interesting, and especially because if the Shrine Bowl becomes like kind of West Coast Central, and you think about where the talent at QB has been, Right, so if Caleb w- would decide to go, he could potentially be joining, you know, Penix, Nick's, Ward, right, Uyangalale, guys, way out west who want to say, okay, we'll just we'll just go to the Shrine Bowl, and it becomes a really really intriguing group of quarterbacks out there that that people will have to flock to. Leaving the Senior Bowl with maybe I think McCarthy would definitely be interested in coming down to the Senior Bowl with like Daniels and maybe May goes as well. But if you start doing that at every position, it gets it gets a little out of hand, right? We look at, you know, talked about MHJ. I I can't imagine he would he would do that. But a guy like Braylon Allen, who maybe hasn't had the best season for Wisconsin, could he go down there? Right? Like that's a possibility. Obviously Blake Corham was eligible already. He's a senior now. Like he could go. Travion Henderson, same thing. Raheem Sanders, if he declares, same thing. Like those guys would benefit from going down there. And the running back class isn't like doesn't have the surefire one. This could be an excellent competition to look at. Okay, how's pass pro? Right? How are you out of the backfield? Can you show up in the game? So that opens the door at the running back position. Wide receivers absolutely loaded. Anybody looking for an edge could be going down there. No doubt about it. Tight end, maybe a little less so. With the top tackles go, could Joe Alt go down there and show what what he's got? Could Amarius Mims do the same thing? could just go and say listen I I know what I am but I want to you know prove that I'm going to get to work once I get into the league They're going to be joining a, a pretty hefty unit like like a Patrick Paul and a Jordan Morgan who are going to be down there right if they get that offer and I know it stinks that that Kieran uh Omega DJ Omega J Omega J from from Yale got injured was, it? It stinks because I think he would have had a chance to be down there too, right? So there are a lot of guys who could, who could be down there, to tackle, right? Edge is going to have some names that that are going to want to make the tr- trek down there. So it gets just so much more interesting. Like how many, like top tier receivers would even take a chance to go down there? I don't know. But if they get a matchup with a top corner down there, how exciting could that be? So it opens the door a little bit for sure. I'm sure not everybody's going to take that chance. But some should, right? I think last year we were kind of talking about, like, you know, why isn't Will Levis down in Mobile? Like, should he be down there? Probably. I don't know why he didn't, you know, take the trip. So I think it just offers juniors, which is a nice thing. Unfortunately, you're going to get some seniors and some small school guys pushed out. But that could make potentially, you know, something like the NFLPA Bowl or the Hula Bowl a little more interesting. Right? you could have some bigger names there. So now it's like you're going to have to track more than one to two games In this all-star sort of circuit which could be could be a lot of fun so i think it it adds depth to the other all-star games which is nice right you're going to see some more alumni from those smaller games show up which will be really really cool but it is it is a little bit disheartening i would say where it's not like you know the senior bowl has always been like ah this is the place for the seniors like this is where the seniors are the best in the country they come down here for a week it's going to be a little bit uh, different and it won't be as like, Oh wow. Like this is where all the top seniors go It'll Be like, Oh, there's juniors here now. So stinks a little bit, but like, you know, it, it definitely opens doors for other like bowl games and all-star weeks to kind of be more of an event, which is, which is really cool. Um, beyond that, I think we want to shift gears to the race for QB three right now in the draft. We know who it kind of has come down to. I think there are four quarterbacks, pretty much vying for it right now. Maybe five. Let's let's say five. I to me, everything that that Dion Sanders keeps reiterating in interviews, right? He is. He it seems like Shiloh and Shader Sanders are going to declare at the same time. That would mean twenty twenty five. So it's not. He keeps telling them they're going back to school. They're going back to school. I don't know if that's meant to drum up interest or not. It's hard to read, but it just seems like like Deion has a plan at Colorado, and I think he wants Shudder to be part of that. So it, it feels like he is. He's out. It, it does feel like that. So he kind of removes himself from that that conversation. You get to others who are in that conversation. Michael Penix had a good year. He's peppering, you know, just accurate precision balls all over the field to all levels he's he's built this amazing rapport with like Roma Dunze with Jalen Polk Jalen McMillan when he's healthy it's it really stinks that McMillan hasn't been able to stay on the field this year so you know Penix has been throwing darts all over He he's making quick decisions he's making you know aggressive decisions with with precision and he's been such a fun watch and you have Bo Nix who's just quietly you know amassed a really strong season statistically he's operating well under pressure he isn't getting pressured a lot but it's just this version of bo nicks you would never believe that this version of bo nicks existed when you watch freshman and sophomore bo nicks at auburn then there's mccarthy who we we've kind of talked about like oh this season's been a lot better he, he looks more efficient he looks more dialed in he, he's the engine driving this offense and then in a big game blake Corm and and Donovan Edwards kind of took, you know, control of the horse a little bit and was like, "No, no, like I, I'm in control now. Follow my lead." And McCarthy only compete completes seven of eight for sixty yards. So it wasn't the test we wanted it to be against Penn State. Going to be potential shootout against Maryland, which should be fun this weekend, and then it's Ohio State, right? And, and Ohio State could be the last test for McCarthy, right? If they get, if they lose. Chance they get eliminated from the playoff. There is that chance. If undefeated teams stand undefeated, if not, the conversation gets really interesting. Of course, Michigan probably would want then Georgia to make sure Alabama is eliminated and not create a two SEC. You could call it controversy to some to not let them back in. I would love to see McCarthy in the playoff, though, because I do think whether it be against Georgia, right, whether it be maybe against Oregon or Alabama, Maybe even Florida State. I would like to see him against top competition at least one more time because I think if, if they're in the Big Ten Championship game, they're playing Iowa or Minnesota maybe. I don't know who's who the heck is in the West, and I'm a fan of a team in the West, and I don't even know what the scenarios are at this point because I just assume Iowa's going to take it. Yeah, Iowa's got a good defense, but Cooper DeGene's now out for the year, which really stinks. Uh, I think he broke his foot in practice. So we probably won't see him again which which really stinks in a college uniform so sad about that but i think without dejean they're, they're losing a little bit but maybe not we're going to talk a little bit about that when we get to the matchups this week but you but you see mccarthy and go okay i want to see him in the big games then there's Jaden daniels from lsu who i've mentioned a lot whether it be on twitter whether it be on derailed a little bit on the on the network on the feed I am just enthralled with, with how Jaden Daniels is playing right now. And, and if you look back, it's year five for him. Uh, year one at Arizona State. We were, we were talking about him, We were talking about a pretty good deal. And he completes 60.5% of his passes, goes for 2,943 yards, 17 touchdowns, two picks. And you go, that's really efficient. And the issue is, is he had 11 turnover-worthy plays. Turnover-worthy play percentage, you don't want that to be too high. Uh, Only 105 dropbacks in 2020, which stinks. Uh, Five touchdowns, one pick, five big-time throws, two turnover-worthy plays. He was still grading pretty mediocre as a passer. Arizona State 2021, 65% of his passes, 2,375 yards, 7.8 yards per attempt. That took a dip. We have just 10 touchdowns. We have 10 interceptions. Nine turnover-worthy plays, eight big-time throws. Not a great move, even though PFF liked that season better than other seasons. I think you see the adjusted completion percentage go up. That that was at its highest in 2021. Then it's like, okay, well, we're going to move over to LSU. Complete 68% of his passes, 77 adjusted, really nice, 17 touchdowns, three picks. 12 big-time throws, three turnover-worthy plays. Excellent, excellent job from him. Still not convinced because I think he was still somebody who was, you know, bent on running if the first read wasn't there. Very much still somebody who was working on becoming the dude in the offense. And then we have 2023. Folks, his passing grade on PFF is 91.9. The turnover-worthy play percentage is up to 2.3%. He has eight on the season. He has 27 big-time throws. That's by far the most he's had. He is completing, not adjusted completion percentage, completing 70% of his passes with 11.4 yards per attempt, by far his highest. 10.4 ADOT, that's the second highest of his career to 2020. The adjusted completion percentage is 78.6%. He's got 30 touchdowns. He's got four picks, and I believe he's got 10 more on the ground as a runner. So a forty touchdown season right now. I mean, it, it a Heisman feels like it's within his reach at this point. It's been uh, it's been so much fun to watch. Uh, okay, so it looks like just eight TDs on the ground as a runner, but he has a thousand yards rushing again this year on ten yards per attempt. So the guy's just guy's crushing it, and and it's it's really fun to see. Uh. So, when you look at more of the advanced stuff and how he's operating in that regard, it looks pretty good. Deep passing. Okay, he's 30 of 46, 65.2% completion percentage, 717 adjusted completion percentage. That is first among quarterbacks with, I think, I think it's like 40% of, like, the, the most attempts are, like, you put the requirements on 40% of, like, the largest dropback number. Which, again, again, he's not throwing deep maybe as much as others. But I think for guys who should be qualifying for this, when I, when I put those, those sliders on MPFF, he should be qualifying. He is first. 17 touchdowns, no picks deep down the field. 25 big-time throws, one turnover-worthy play down the field. A big-time throw percentage of 52 that is first. My goodness. that that is, that is really impressive stuff. And sorry, maybe I got a little bit too close to the mic there. I got really excited. He is crushing it deep down the field. And for somebody who I think, and PFF I think would agree for the most part here, yeah, pretty much, other than maybe year one to year two, where it dropped a little bit, steadily improving as a passer. Steadily improving as a passer, really, really strong runner, great deep ball thrower. Does that ring any bells? It should. Jalen Hurts. Not saying that's the comp necessarily, but the the it's more it's not a it's not a physical comp. It's not necessarily a playstyle comp, maybe a little bit, but it's also the comp of evolving as a player, getting better every year as a player it took a little bit longer that's fine Hertz was at the senior bowl i expect jane daniels to be at the senior bowl okay uh really quick let's get to a few more things uh intermediate area of the field 34 59 57.6 percent 62 percent adjusted not terrible not not the best six touchdowns two picks two big time throws four turnover worthy plays a 3.2 percent big time throw percentage It's not the best on the intermediate track, and I think that's where he needs to improve. I think when you look at somebody like Bo Nix, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, On short throws, it's 93 of 123. That's good for 75.6% completion, 82% adjusted, five touchdowns, two picks. No big-time throws, which you're not going to have many big-time throws in the short area, zero to nine yards, two turnover-worthy plays. Now, I really like this. Okay, pressure. Under pressure, he has 63.4% adjusted completion percentage, 11.9 yards per attempt, five touchdowns, no picks, six big-time throws, four turnover-worthy plays, okay? An 8 out of 13 when under pressure. And a 12.2% big-time throw percentage, that is tied for first with Alabama's Jalen Milroe. When blitzed, adjusting completion percentage bumps up to 80.2%. 11.5 yards per attempt, a 10.5 dot, 16 touchdowns, no picks, nine big-time throws, just two plays, and a 7.8% big-time throw percentage. That's T19, not bad, but the other numbers are very, very good. So he is doing pretty much everything you're asking from him. Uh, and the other pressure grade overall as a passer is 628 I've seen a lot worse this year. Caleb's is not good this year. Okay. He's obviously got an 82 run grade when under pressure, right? Which elevates his overall grade. But I do think you look at the completion percentage. You look at, you know, limiting some turnover, plays under pressure, just four, and he still has almost 12 yards per attempt under pressure. That is insane. So, He's making quick reads. And obviously he's got a great supporting cast, right? No one no one would, I think, dispute that. You have Malik Neighbors, who is an excellent player. There's no doubt about it. Malik Neighbors, really, really good. He's he's got that height weight acceleration thing, yak thing going for him with the ability to win above the rim, with you know enough twitch and, and flexibility to be route break efficient. He's exceptional. And then you got really a smooth operator winning deep Brian Thomas. So Thomas and Neighbors have the acceleration and the wherewithal to win deep. That obviously helps the grade a little bit, but it's on target. He's making insane throws. There's a throw to Neighbors in the Alabama game, unbelievably good. And the difference with Daniels this year is you see multiple reads. You see him looking front side, working backside, whether it be on a dig, whether it be on something else. He's finding the check down at a better rate this year. He just looks more poised. He looks more poised under pressure. The under pressure grades... It, the, the passing grade last season for lsu was 55.9 okay it's gotten better when you look at 2021 it was 45 passing grade under pressure so he he's he's finding a way to maneuver pressure better and he's not just always taking off now running is going to be a big part of his game because he's got elite speed i think for a quarterback right and and that and the agility the, the movement skills the fluidity in space. He's got that, right? He, he ran for like an 80-yard touchdown against LSU and a 51-yarder as well, right? That game, really quick, just to talk about that game against Florida, he completed 17 of 26 for 372 and three touchdowns, okay? On the ground, he had 12 carries for 234 yards and two touchdowns. Absolutely ludicrous football game from him, okay? And the Grays were off the charts, right? High 90s, a 91 in the pass, 96 in the run. That That makes sense. But he is, he is putting together complete games as a quarterback. It's a real shame that LSU wasn't in contention here to get to, A, the SEC title game, and B, the playoff. Because I think I would just love to see this offense in the playoff, especially with the trio of Daniels, neighbors, and Thomas. But we'll settle for him heading down to Mobile and hopefully crushing it and, and showing the leadership, the poise, the ability to execute. I'm I'm really excited. Uh, for Daniels, because he is in his fifth season, so he's eligible. He's probably going to one of the two top ones. I hope it's I hope it's the Senior Bowl personally. Um, but I am I'm really excited for him. And right now, I think he's 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 made the jump. And, and I think what's really difficult, honestly, not for everybody, but for me, it is ranking three through six is a little fluid right now, just because. Obviously, haven't seen all the tape, especially on Penix. Uh, you know, I, I have Michigan and Oregon every game on offense, so it's been easy to track McCarthy and Knicks. Daniels, I only have three. Penix, I only have two games, so it's tough for those two guys. And even going last year, Penix just a few games. Daniels, a couple games. So it's difficult to evaluate those two on, on you know the full spectrum. But Penix is a dart thrower from the pocket. He's Got a looser arm, I think, than Tua. He's not as quick a decision-maker as Tua. Then you have the McCarthy with all the arm talent in the world as a junior. I just feel like he's going round one. Bo Nix might be the one that... Nix and Penix, round one guys, are going to be the question mark. I think Daniels is going to go round one. Now, I've seen a lot where I think, yeah, he's pretty much on that fringe where it's going to be like, eh. you know, people are going to start mocking him in the high second round, right in the late 30s, maybe forty. And then he's going to make that jump by by February. We'll probably be talking about him in the first. I, I imagine so. If if we aren't already, there are some already. I'm on board with it. Okay, so so I think that's the thing with Jaden Daniels. So I think right now I'm leaning QB three for him. Uh, it's really difficult after that. I, I I can't nail it down just yet. And the big board comes out next week. So I I have been struggling with those three guys. We'll see where they land. But just a little uh, a spiel per se on Jaden Daniels. So. He is not the player that he was last year. He is not the player that he was a few seasons prior. Different guy. Looks a lot better. Um, let's shift gears here. Obviously, we're well into the show. We're going to shift gears. I uh, want to look at the 2024 top 10 as it uh, as it is right now. So, uh, we're looking at Chicago Bears at 1 and at 5. So, the Bears have moved up a little bit, right? Carolina still 1 and 8, so they hold that number 1 pick, which goes to Chicago. Courtesy of the trade for Bryce Young, which is going super well, by the way. Um, the Giants are at two. It's going to be a very interesting conversation for them. Dale Jones carries like a 60-something cap number next year. But then it's a pretty easy out after that. New England Patriots at three. They're very much in the quarterback conversation they got to be, especially if like Belichick is actually going to leave. Can't imagine that... that New regime coming in is, is going to stick with someone like Mac Jones. Just don't think that's going to happen when you have a potentially, if the Bears are interested in trading out or, you know, there's a pretty big game three days after Thanksgiving, Giants-Patriots. Loser for that is going to be in the driver's seat to make sure they're going to secure a top two pick. But I think they'll be in the mix. Arizona at four, right, they could be in the mix, but it seems like the all the reports, I don't know if it's like a leaked report or, or what's going on with Arizona if they're running the marketing campaign or not for Kyler Murray. I think they're going to stick with him. I think they're going to keep what they got and they're going to roll with whatever it may be next year, if that includes trading out. Great, they have 4-20 and 20 right now, thanks to Houston being in the playoffs right now, which is crazy to think about. But they got 4. Chicago at 5. Again, QB, I don't know. If they have number 1, Chicago does. Again, I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't. Justin Fields is... Auditioning and also marketing himself at the same time, so there's a lot of that. Uh, so Chicago at five again, that's probably going to be tackle receiver, right? We think maybe edge rusher. We'll see uh, if Ibrahulus is staying and likes one of the guys for his scheme opposite Sweat. They could definitely go that route. Obviously, we know the Packers are at six right now, and that's that's where we're going to get to. We're going to talk about some of the top guys uh, in a, in a few minutes here. The Rams are at seven. The Titans at eight. Atlanta at 9 Washington at 10 and I've done this before but I'm just gonna I'm gonna reiterate it now go through all the teams in the top 10 tell me who needs a tackle if you if you think Chicago does good Uh, I think they could definitely go that route allow Braxton Jones to be their third their swing tackle you could you could you could convince me of that Giants I think they need one Evan Neal not good through two seasons like not good at all New England they could absolutely go tackle. Arizona, D.J. Humphreys is there. But pairing someone like Olufushanu with Paris Johnson, wouldn't hate it. Right, Chicago up at five. We already talked about them. Green Bay needs a tackle for sure. Rams need a tackle. I think Tennessee needs a tackle. Atlanta's probably good in that department. They could go that route if they wanted to. Let's, let's say Atlanta's a no. Washington at 10 feels like a yes as well. So one, two, three, four, five. Five and a half, pseudo, six, seven. Um, I would say seven, right? Seven of nine teams though, right? Because Chicago's in there twice. Seven of nine teams, if you take Atlanta and Arizona out of the equation, could go tackle. Obviously one of them won't because they're going to take a QB. But I'm saying like tackle. There's a lot of talk about, you know, just going through mock drafts. And again, is it early to be talking about this? Sure, fine, whatever. I'm just telling you, Okay, and and you don't have to listen to me. Sorry, that sounded really, really preachy like I'm the expert. No, obviously not an expert. I just got some Wi-Fi in this nice little microphone here. But to me, if we've watched, right, we, let's say we, we have watched offensive line play this year, right? Have we not? It's not good. It isn't good across the league. Like you look at, you want to look beyond pick 10. Tampa Bay, I think they could go that direction, right? They have worse. That's great i know gadecki's playing right tackle Mm -hmm. i have my i have my doubts the jets might need two at that pick 12 denver they paid a lot of money to McGlinchey. i don't think so i think garrett Bowles is a free agent as well so that's a potential two right there chargers need a right tackle for sure andy might be fine braden smith i know he doesn't have the best length at right tackle but he's playing fine bernard raymond doing very well vegas yeah absolutely and then to my two teams that I wanted to bring up really quick, Buffalo and Cincinnati, both out of the playoffs at the moment, both five and five. Uh, they're bleeding. Cincinnati's bleeding a ton. Burrow just hurt his wrist tonight. Who knows? It's a mini buy. But they've got they got to play Pittsburgh, who's in the playoffs. They're playing well. They're finding ways to win. They, I think they have everyone left with a winning record down the stretch. It's going to be very difficult for them. So... There is that they have to play the Ravens again, right? They they still have to play Kansas City. Yikes, right? So so Cincinnati's bleeding. Jonah Williams at right tackle, not great. Orlando Brown, eh, not it's not great. I, I, it's fine at best. They could use tackle easily. Buffalo Spencer Brown at right tackle, I don't think so. Deion Dawkins is fine. They're a team that needs trenches as well, and I think in Cincinnati's losing potential DJ Reader potentially to free agency. Buffalo and Cincinnati, as as far as trenches go, they need it. And this brings me back to what Green Bay, you know, has has kind of done these past few years is they've built the reserves up at offensive and defensive line. Have they done it maybe the way that some of us would like them to do it? Maybe not. I would like to see more combo players at tackle than just pass protectors. Same with the guards, especially the guards. So which kind of eliminates, and they have a they have a type right. That sort of eliminates guys like J.C. Latham and Taliesa Fuaga, who are bigger, right? You you have Fuaga's at like what three thirty four, yep, and Latham's probably in that range as well in the three thirties. Not usually their type at the position, so Fashanu definitely their type. So, and they've they've built up a lot of pass rushers at defensive line. They could use some run stuffers for sure. So. All it to say is like, you know, looking at all these teams, trenches is a big deal, right? Trenches wins you a lot of games. I just don't think right now, as we get back to what I'm saying about the mock drafts, is like Tennessee at 8. Let's say they stay there. You know, there's going to be a lot of people saying, you know what? What if Olufushanu falls to us? What if Joe Alt falls to us? It's possible. But what I've just mentioned is the fact that tackle play is not good. Offensive line play is not good. There are, I I get it, it's deep. I get what we're saying a little bit, right? It's deep, right? You look for Shanu Alt Latham, Fuaga, Amarius Mims, if he declares, Graham Barton, but mm, he might be an interior guy, Patrick Paul, Tyler Guyton, Jordan Morgan, Kingsley Suomataya, Troy Fautanu from uh, Washington, but they think he's an interior guy. Cooper Beebe's definitely an interior guy. So you have a lot of prospects, sure, at the position, the problem is, is it's a scarce position. And I just feel like you might just see tackles fly off. And so it's like Tennessee at 8, eh, probably going to have to pivot would be my guess. I just don't see Green Bay not taking Fashano or Alt at this point, knowing what we know about Bakhtiari, knowing what we know about Rasheed Walker through two seasons, and the same goes for like the Rams. I think the same goes for Chicago. I think the same goes for you know Arizona, New England, whoever's losing out on the QB. Maybe the Jets get aggressive and they say, we got to get to Arizona's pick and get one of these guys. Right, there's gonna be potential aggression to secure tackles, right? Arizona came back up from twelve to six to grab Paris Johnson last year. It's not far fetched. We saw Darnell Wright go ten. Can't believe Broderick Jones actually got to fourteen. So in this tackle class is better. We're gonna see him go. People need him. So I think what's really interesting is going to be building out like how the quarterbacks fall one in the top ten, right? Is who's the third guy gonna be joining? McCarthy or Daniels feel like the guys to meet, maybe Penix. but Penix seems like a back of half of the round type of guy to a lot of teams just because of injuries. Um, and, and there might not be a ton of upside there for the swing. So there is that. But I think just overall, like quarterback and tackle are going to be a big part of this draft. So is receiver. So it's going to be very offensive heavy. It's hard to say who the f- best defensive prospect is right now. Um, Obviously, the consensus big board and NFL mock draft database, I believe right now, yeah, it has Dallas Turner as the top, followed by Kule McKinstry, followed by Latu and Jared Verse. Newton is at 13, Cooper DeJean at 14, Chop Robinson at 15, and then Nate Wiggins at 18. So there's enough in the top 20. But it's going to be interesting to see when those guys go because I do think offense-heavy with four receivers who are really, really talented. I'm just interested to see, like, I, I don't want to fast-forward to the draft because it's still fun to have football. But it's like, I'm just going to be interested to see if Green Bay doesn't go tackle where they're going to go. Because would they do receiver? I just don't, it doesn't feel like they would. They've got two tight ends they like as young players. Would they go Bowers? I just don't think they would. So it really brings about a question of like, okay, there are four edge rushers who are, you know, have some potential here. Are we going to throw another dart there? Are we going to go Newton, which is early? It feels like, you know, it feels very Goody trade back esque type of thing and then coming up with a lot of capital later again we're over five months out it's crazy to keep thinking about this this early but that's who i am so just a peek at the top 10 uh let's take a break here obviously we've been running for a while uh and we'll come back with some of the top guys just taking a look at what they've done recently and then we'll get into matchups for the week
0: passion drive and patience And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at eBayMotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks.
1: All right, back here on It's Always Draft Season with you guys. So, for the Packers right now, obviously want to talk about a few players at the top. So Caleb Williams right now, it's 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 weird. It's weird, man. I, I didn't want to talk about this before we got to the matchups, but I think I am going to anyway, just to bring it up because the numbers are down here. It's not, it's not a bad year, but for the standards that we held them to, it's not a good year uh now this is this is crazy so people are he's got a 90 overall grade this year and people are so down it's nuts now the passing grade has gone down uh and it's it's actually gone down every year okay it was a 90.3 in 2021 it's a 90.1 last year so again it went down quote unquote but it, you know this year it's an 83.3 which is actually kind of insane to think about considering a he's got 18 turnover worthy plays this year 18 that's a 4 4.0 percentage point of of, of turnover worthy plays that's a high number okay but the adjusted completion percentage is still 77.2 uh percent He's his his 8 is 9.4 it's definitely lower than it's been uh, it was 9.7 last year. It was 11.8 as a freshman. Clearly, the Lincoln-Riley offense has been operating more under the assumption of, like, a lot of quick stuff, a lot of screen game. Got a lot of attempts behind the line of scrimmage. Really annoying. But he he hits the deep shots. He's got 24 big-time throws this year, which down from last year at, at 32. Uh, and, obviously, the turnover-worthy plays were just 11 last year. But he's got 29 touchdowns, 4 picks. So the the biggest thing, obviously, with Caleb Williams right now is, A, can you operate within structure? B, can the pressure grade get back to where it was? So this is the other important part about Caleb Williams right now. Last year, under pressure, okay, grade of 85.5, 79.4, passing grade under pressure, and a fumble grade of 50.8, which is not very good. That's the one thing we'll, we'll be talking about that in a second. And that was, I think, the big difference for me heading into the season. And that's where I was like, okay, yeah, Caleb hasn't done as much in structure as May. It's still close. I think it's closer than we thought, potentially, right? I definitely talked about this on Clayton's show when we went over, like, college football in the preseason type of thing. I definitely said, it's closer than you think, you know, in, in that little high voice. Um, you know, so the the one difference was May under pressure was not very good. There were a lot of turnover-worthy plays under pressure, folks. <laughs> uh, so... When he's under pressure this year, the passing grade is 34.3. That is horrendous. That is horrendous. 14.8 fumble grade. Ball security, buddy. Ball security. What are we doing? The fumble grade is terrible. Even as a whole this year, is 25. Like, we can't be doing this stuff. The, the, the fumbles... You know, when sort of trying to leave the pocket, right, not have the real feel under pressure right now, those fumbles are costly as heck, and they're really, really messing with this team right now. Right? If you want to leave the turnover-worthy play thing alone, that's totally fine. I understand. I think he he had maybe two against Oregon. Obviously, he had four against Notre Dame. The Oregon game as a whole, he played fine. Uh, He just fumbled again. The the fumble grades have been ludicrous this year. It has been so, so bad. And it cannot continue. Okay? So, right, he has eight touchdowns, four picks under pressure. Last year, he had 14 touchdowns, no picks under pressure. And 14 big-time throws and four turnover-worthy plays last year. This year, eight big-time throws 16 turnover worthy plays under pressure. The pressure's getting to him. He's forcing things. So, turnover worthy play percentage is up. Fumbles are up under pressure. This is a ball security game. I I am honestly losing my mind because last year, honestly, I I know he had 11 turnover worthy plays, five picks, but like you could clearly tell when he was like, All right, I got to make something happen. It might be a turnover. Fine. Like that, that was understood when you're chasing. That happened in the Notre Dame game. My issue is that we have, you know, three turnover-worthy plays against Arizona State. Two against Colorado. Two against Arizona. Just piling them up. Piling them up. Right? Cal game had a 90 passing grade in the game, but he had turnover-worthy play. Like, he has 18 in 12, 11 games. 18 and 11 games ideally we we would like that down right he had eleven in i think like what fourteen games last year so something's gotta give here something has to change he's got two game he's got two games left let's see what you got man like we need to see something here there is i don't know who's left on the schedule for them oh wait a minute they only have they have one game left so they're not they're not playing next week then because they have UCLA this week so maybe they're done this is really bad I, I didn't want this to go so long but now I'm like sitting here like wow oh, they just they might be just done and I think it's true like they're obviously not going to be in the, in the championship game which means this week against UCLA which is a good defense by the way we're highlighting in the matchups I don't, don't want to kind of do it here but might as well yeah this is it man this is it prove to me that we can go game without turnover worthy play. And not Nevada. Right? Is that the one? No, Stanford. So, let's see what you got here, okay? Like this is this is it. Show us it. And the last one. Maybe he needs to go down to Mobile. Talked about it already. Like that might be a thing he needs to do. So, Caleb not as impressed right now uh if you went solely off of this season Drake Mays, the QB1. He's going first. It's not even a discussion. post snap processing looks really, really good. He's got a 91 pass grade this year. The fumble grade is fine. 21 touchdowns, 6 picks, 7 turnover-worthy plays, 30 big-time throws. He had 45 last year, but the turnover-worthy plays were up. Yards per attempt is up to 9. ADOT's up to 10.8. 77% of Jessica percentage. Drake Mays crushing it from, from all angles. And I think the one game you could point to where he went, ah, it's not a very good game, and PFF definitely agrees with this, is Miami. The thing is, that might be the best opponent they've played. I think it is. And he had two picks against Minnesota. Uh, it's not ideal, um, but obviously, two picks, you know, he completed 72% and threw for 414. I'm not overly concerned about that game necessarily, but he definitely hunts big. Um, and he definitely doesn't know when to kind of eat it when he's being sacked. There are times where he's being dragged down under pressure, and he's still kind of just like, alright, I can see what I can do here. In the Miami game, he I, I believe this had to be the turn of worthy play uh, against Miami, where he just kind of like, okay, I have a receiver, but there's two defenders in between me and that receiver. I'm getting dragged down. I'll just throw it. Can't Can't be doing that. Okay. But Drake may under pressure this year. I believe it's up from last year. It's a 50- 9.9. 9, it's a 55 passing grade under pressure. He has six turnover-worthy plays to five big-time throws, five interceptions under pressure. Uh, when blitzed, he has nine touchdowns, three picks. Let's move it back last year. Yeah, it's actually better. Uh, last year was better. A 61 passing grade under pressure. He did have a lot more fumbles last year, which is a big deal. When blitzed, is pretty good. It's in the 70s across the board, uh, both 22 and 23. So still under pressure. There are some questions for May. But there are less now than there are for maybe Caleb Williams, who I think last year, if you were like, "Wow, he's under pressure. He's just doing all this stuff." I think teams are prepped for that second play a lot more, right? They're they're prepped for the idea that he's scrambling. Caleb Williams has to get better with his structure, has to get better, has to get back to where he was under pressure and cannot fumble the football, ball security. Otherwise, we're we're comfy, we're fine. Drake May doing well. We we'll like that for him. Uh, Olu has given up 10 pressures this year. It hasn't quite been maybe the year that we were expecting. Right. I think he's still in the tackle one discussion. He's a young player. There's so much to like, 6'6", 319. Pass blocking grade's an 88.2. It's the best of his career. Run blocking grade is a 70. That's a good number. That's a lot better than last year. Uh, the play strength is still a concern um, as we look at the evaluation process for him right now. Uh, Jt Tuimoloau gave him some some headaches, maybe a few times. I would say three uh, in the entire game. Out of I don't know how many times they face each other. Uh, but he gave up six pressures as a whole in that in that game against uh, Ohio State. So not great. The the grade in pass protection was a forty seven point nine. It's not ideal. Every other game's been in the been seventy nine point five or higher. So, you know he. Overall grades are fine. He's been pretty consistent though, and I think that's what's really holding him up. Obviously 10 pressures, but no sacks. I do think Joe Alt, somebody who I was a little bit lower on in the summer, just because I didn't I, I didn't quite like how he was playing. There were some things with balance and, and, and overextension that I think are still there. I think he turns his shoulders a little bit too early, right? He doesn't say squares early, but Boy, has he been consistent this year. Uh, The run blocking isn't quite what it was last year. It's dropped from a 91 to a 79, according to PFF. He has given up a sack. He didn't give up a sack last year. However, four pressures to just eight. Eight last year, just four this year. Pressures have gone down. Uh, He has been downright exceptional uh, this year. He looks like the more complete player uh, than Fashanu. And that was maybe the case, I think, when you looked at their games last year, you're like, ah, yeah, Alt's a little more multifaceted, but like, Fashana was the better pass blocker last year. It's not even a question. This year, I kind of think Alt is a better pass protector and a better run blocker right now. So, again, at 6'8", 322, he's still playing low with good knee bend, right? The athleticism is top of the charts. He Zone and gap are going to be no problem. He has enough strength to blow people off the ball. Clemson game, though, uh, 67.1 overall grade 56.5 in the run game but 85 in the in, the, in the, as a pass blocker he's gonna the green Bay's gonna be all in on him I, I pretty much guarantee it just a question if he makes there right so those four right we've talked about I want to quickly the receivers and then we'll get to the matchups because I again we have we are just going so long here right now because I think there's a lot to cover in the matchups as well really quick Malik neighbors just to just to talk about him for a second. 72 catches 1283 yards 10 touchdowns 3.77 yards per route run great number. I think the number's like 5 5.02 against zone, 3.04 against man. Really good numbers in the route in the yards per route run department. 9 of 19 contested catch wins, which you might not think is is the case. I feel like I saw most of his non-wins. But then you see him elevate, you see the acceleration, you you see the, the feel to find space and zone, then just the ability to attack post catch is very DJ Moore esque. It's very AJ Brown esque. It's very Debo esque like he is just an attacker who is a threat everywhere and he's winning deep. He's winning in the quick game. I just I I've I've really liked his game. I think the one thing for me is just handling press. His stems get a little too wide and it makes for a very difficult task to stack. Otherwise, you know, the route breaks are efficient. I think there's still more technicality he can add to his game. But man, he is impressive. He is impressive. The ceiling is enormous. Keon Coleman just has forty two catches for five sixty two and ten touchdowns. One point nine two yards per route run. Uh, Johnny Wilson's there so obviously that's eating into Keon Coleman a little bit and they definitely run more than LSU uh, so the numbers aren't aren't as gaudy uh, he does have 10 of 26 contested catch wins so you look at neighbors and you go not neighbors contested catch win percentage is better than Coleman's actually Marvin Harrison Jr.'s is 10 of 26 as well which I find funny uh, if we quickly go to Marvin Harrison Jr. 59 catches 1063 yards 12 touchdowns 3.57 yards per run, so Neighbors is leading in that department right now. And he's leading in the contested catch department. Uh, he's leading in receiving yards, not touchdowns. But you, you, MHJ is MHJ. He's, he's number one. But Coleman, quickly developing three phases to his game, really like that about him. And th- th- my issue, though, with Coleman at the, at the moment is is kind of a similar one with Neighbors. Now, I think Coleman obviously isn't as fast, doesn't have the accelerative capabilities that Neighbors does. But he's still fluid. He's still got some short area quicks. That helps him. But he plays physical at the top of his route to separate. He can attack some blind spots. He can win with tempo. There's flashes of being this complete player. My issue right now is press coverage. And you say, ah, it's not a big deal. Zone coverage is is all the rage nowadays, right? And and there's not a lot of press. I don't know, man. I watch Calvin Ridley get pressed a ton now in Jacksonville because they know what he can do if you don't press him. Uh, Garrett Wilson is lighting it up against press coverage right now. He has like an eighty percent success rate against it, and he's one hundred eighty three pounds. Keon Coleman's success rate against press will not be that high. I promise. Uh, if you follow Matt Harmon, who does all of the wide receiver charting right with the route trees and the success rates, I have a feeling Coleman's not gonna gonna pass with flying colors in the route department. But he's a good contested player, and he's slippery after the catch. Like I said, his ceiling is so high because he's operating in, in three phases pretty well and with flashes. It's just handling press coverage, handling stem contact. Can he do that? That is my concern with him right now. Kalen Carson from Wake Forest really gave him a hard time in that department. So you could say I'm a little concerned there, but, again, Coleman is, is kind of almost exactly what Green Bay needs. Neighbors, MHJ, even a Dunze, which I didn't put on here, but, like, X receivers... Can get open, offer you a lot, and a very diverse skill set. I want to get to two others. Obviously, Bowers, 44 catches, 604 yards, 5 touchdowns, 2.85 yards per route run. Arrogant hands. Uh, he's only won one of six contested balls. Doesn't concern me a whole lot. Uh, the size is really the only concern. I think he's tenacious as a blocker. I think he's working there really well. My question is, will the Packers even think about it? Right, like They have Craft and Musgrave. Will they even think about it? I don't know because I don't think they're they're in the mood of like we have a guy now to throw in the slot like the Bills did with Kincaid or the Lions even with Laporta a little bit because they have Jaden Reed now who's I think coming along well in the slot. I think they're going to get to a point where it's like, okay, we're going to be in 12, which I mean that could include Bowers. But when we're in 11, we've got our slot guy and they feel really confident in that. But Bowers is just awesome speed great hands great adjustment skills really smooth player in space uh i'm charting him right now the routes obviously for a tight end they're not going to be as crisp as receiver routes but like they're smooth he's a glider uh but he can really turn the jets on after the catch i really like him a ton uh jerzan newton because i do think there is a chance that defensive line comes into play i still think there are better names later that I would throw my throw my hat in because again, they've invested so much if they want to go back to that well. Newton's six two two ninety-five. It's a little small, I will say. Um it's it's right in the range. People are saying, like, oh, he's undersized, like a um like Kalajakancy. Kalijah Kansy was like two hundred and eighty something. It's it's pretty far apart. He is much more in line with you know, Devontae Wyatt, who was 6'3", 304, so maybe a little bit less than that, found the perfect one, okay? It's it's Justin Medibuike. Texas A&M. It's been a few years, right? He's in line for a contract extension. He's having a great year this year for Baltimore. 6'2", 295. Attacking player. Now, Gerla Newton's interesting because last year he had 59 pressures and four sacks. Okay? His tackling grade was a 72.2. Nice. passer grade was an 84. 7, really nice. Run defense grade last year was a 91.9. 9. Okay. Elite run defender last year. Really, really good pass rush last year. This year, 36 pressures. Not as high. Teams are paying attention to him. Of course they are. Why wouldn't they be? I will say, with six sacks, you're starting to see the production with sacks, which is nice. His best two games this year, I think, are arguably... Uh, arguably are against the best two opponents he's played in terms of offensive line play, Penn State and Wisconsin. Really, really good. I think they were both in the – they might have slightly lower than the 90s. Uh, I should have just wrote it down. I wrote down everything else. When you look at – yeah, Penn State was a 91. Wisconsin was a 94. Minnesota was an 82, and I think that's probably the third best team he's played. Uh, maybe Kansas. Kansas was probably bad. But he had five pressures, two sacks against Kansas. Like that's really good. So against the top competition, he's done well and he's done it more than once, which is good. Um his tackling grade is a forty point five. He is playing out of control a lot like Devontae Wyatt does. That is not a comforting thing for me. Especially in the top ten. Especially. Which has like me very concerned right now because it's like, okay, well, we're going offense or it's an edge rusher. Right? Like that's Obviously, trade back, it's different. But if you're staying and picking, yikes. I mean, the pass rush grade is 84.5. It's it's about the same. 77.6 run defense grade is something I can definitely live with. Uh, He had an 88 against Penn State, 83 against Wisconsin, which I think is really, really nice, and a 78 against Minnesota. So, like, great games there against the run. He just plays a little too out of control right now, and he needs to play more controlled. Played more controlled last year and was a disruptive presence. So I, I don't know if they're just letting him tee off a little bit more, a lot like just kind of Jim Schwartzing him and being like, ah, just go attack. Like he he might be doing that. That's very possible. But for me right now, I'm a little concerned. He's still defensive tackle one in this class just because nobody has the rush ability that he does right now and the consistency of that rush ability. Uh there are some other guys, we'll talk about him very soon. But yeah, like it, it, he's impressive. But he's a trade-down candidate guy, right? Uh, we could talk about a couple others just because I know it's the, the pod's running long. But when I get long-winded about the prospects, we're just going to keep going. Um, really quick, just because I want to bring him up because I do think size-wise, athleticism-wise, I think that Green Bay will like him. Uh, obviously, we never know in the meetings if they will or not. It's Cooley McKinstry for sure, and we've mentioned him a million times. Uh, He's got an 87 grade this year. It's his best by far. Coverage grade was 85.5. That's his best by far. Uh, He's got two pressures. That's very sick. His his passers grade is 82. That's really cool. Uh, Good tackler. 75 and 74 grades the last two years. He doesn't miss a lot of tackles. That's really nice. Um, Passer rating allowed last year was 57.9. This year it's 65.7. You can tell he's being thrown at less because... Uh, last year, he had an, a pick and 16 pass breakups. This year, he's just got no picks and three pass breakups. He's not being targeted a lot. Like you can already tell that teams are like, yeah, we're just we're not going his way. And and here we go. Sorry, I, I don't know why I pass this up. Here we go. It was targeted 80 times last year. So he had a pass breakup. One of every five times he was targeted, which is nuts to think about. Okay. This year, he's been targeted 35 times. Uh, and they've only completed fifteen passes on him. That's forty-two percent. Uh, that's lower than last year's. He was thirty-seven of eighty for forty-six percent. Yards per reception is up a little bit, but I mean, he's still he's still a dominant player. Um, is he as dominant as maybe Sauce? Is he as dominant as? I'm trying to think of others. This is really bad. I should know <laughs> who's at the top of drafts. Um, Oh Gonzalez and Witherspoon. I wouldn't put him in that tier. No. But I think he's solidly in that second tier uh, with guys like Christian Fulton, who's played a lot better, uh, with guys like (laughs) Stingley's a tough one because I think Stingley's was just so inconsistent after his freshman season that it feels like they should be in the same tier. So we'll put him there. But I think he is still someone firmly in like a trade back you'd you'd probably want. I want to bring up Nate Wiggins just because, again, corner, right, needing it. Uh was going to bring him up in the matchups as well. We'll we'll breeze through the matchups, but just quick, he's got a 77.4 coverage grade. Wiggins does uh he's allowing he's allowed uh nine catches on 23 targets. Does have a forced fumble this year. Um tackling's not good. He's he's more of just a cover guy than a tackler. He has the last two years three touchdowns, two picks and 13 pass breakups. Once again, being targeted almost a third of what he was targeted last year makes sense uh, but he still flew as heck and coverage he's to one eighty-five, at least on pff site but I, I do think there is something there will green bay take him not sure uh but i want to hit obviously cooper DeJean really quick last year his grade was insane he has not quite gotten there this year uh the grades have been not as great. Uh there's some there's some yellow and orange on the board for those who are on PFF a bunch. Uh it's just because he's played basically corner all year. Uh he's played 23 box snaps, 23 slot snaps and one snap at free safety. 630 at corner. That is absurd. He is he's they're telling him to be a corner apparently. And that's fine at 61207. But like last year, I just feel like there was there was more on the bone in terms of like he still played five hundred and fifty-three snaps there. And none at free safety, but he played a ton more in the slot 140 in the box in ninety one. I think he's better deciphering coverages and making plays like he obviously his run defense was insane last year. The tackling was great, all high eighties and coverage as well. It just hasn't been quite the same this year. Um He has five pass breakups and five picks, though. The ball production is really, really good. And he's obviously a dynamo on special teams. So, again, I think he's still in play via the trade back. He has three PBUs and two interceptions this year, just a 40.6 passer rating when targeted. So, DeGene is still very much in play, but I think it's, again, via a trade down. So, some of the prospects there to look at. Obviously, we could go through the edge, guys. I just don't know if that's the... I mean, they could, right? This is Green Bay. We know them. Um, all right, so let's quickly transition here. Obviously, we're past the hour mark. This is wild. I uh, Didn't think we were going to do that. But let's get to the matchups of the week. I want to get to this one really quick. Obviously, J.J. McCarthy's playing Maryland. It isn't like, oh, wow, elite defense. It's, okay, can he get into a shootout and win the shootout? That's what we want to see. If that's the case, cool. If they blow him out, fine. Just push it back to the Ohio State game. That's why we're briefly mentioning it, because we're not sure. Amarius Mims is potentially going to have some snaps against James Pierce Jr., the real standout freshman or sophomore. Don't know which. I'm not going to look it up now. We're rolling way past times, but is a phenom underclassman as a pass rusher. Sure. Right. Mims is 6'7, 340. Had a seventy point seven grade last week in his return against Mississippi. This will be a bigger test. We'll be interested to see how he plays. Uh, the secondary: Javon Bullard, Kamari Lasseter, and Tyke Smith. Tyke Smith in his fifth or sixth year. Lasseter's a junior. Javon Bullard might be a junior as well. I, no, I think he he's a senior. I think let's uh, let's quickly make sure. Gosh, I need to start writing down the year these guys are in. Um, but this year, uh, Javon Bullard at at. No, Javon Bullard is a, is a junior. 5'11", 195, 85.9 coverage grade. Has 259 snaps at free safety, 68 in the slot, and 43 in the box. So, potential nickel right there. Would definitely wa- pay attention to him in this game. He might get more snaps at safety. He's, all, he's almost guaranteed to be playing mostly wide at corner. Unless they throw guys in the slot, it might be like a, a Brian Brant situation where he gets some some reps in the slot, this some more in the slot this week. We'll be very interested to see how he plays in that game. Uh, he has, I believe, two interceptions, two PBUs. Uh, had one interception last week against Mississippi. Had one against Missouri as well. He's listed at free safety in both of those games. I'm not sure if that's the case or not, but potential nickel right there. And then Jalen Wright from Tennessee, the running back, 23.9 miles per hour. is what he's been clocked as. Not sure the processing speed is there, but the the game speed is there, right? And perfect fit in Tennessee. McConkey, six foot one eighty five. He's a great route runner, ability to win deep. 26 for 4, 23 and 2. He has missed time. He has 3.71 yards per route run. That should be an indicator that he hasn't been out there as much. Just another guy to just keep, it, keep tabs on in this receiver class. One of the matchups of the week. Maybe two players you don't even know, depending on if you're a hardcore college football fan or not. First one you probably don't. Maybe you know the second one. Iowa, Illinois unless you're the diehard fan of one of the teams, right? Sebastian Castro against Isaiah Williams, Sebastian Castro. Okay. five eleven, two hundred two Oh five, 508 slot snaps. Folks, this might be the nickel guy right here. Okay. I'm going to write him up uh, a little thing on him for Saturday, just because now I'm like completely sold right now. Cause I was like, okay, does Iowa have somebody who can cover Isaiah Williams? Well, 90.5 coverage grade, 63.9 tackle grade, 38.8 passer rating allowed right now. Three picks, four pass breakups. It's pretty darn good if you ask me. Now, Isaiah Williams, slot receiver, 5'10", 180, was recruited at Illinois to be a potential quarterback but had obviously wide receiver skills too. He is coming off the last two weeks. Two weeks ago, 13 catches, 131 yards, two touchdowns last week against Minnesota, 9 catches, 200 yards, two touchdowns. They've had a spark with Jake Paddock playing quarterback. It is wild the Ball State transfers playing well. This may be the team if they don't turn the ball over to, to start really pushing Iowa a little bit in this in this West. We'll see if that happens. It's on the road, but this is a matchup that I'm very intrigued by and we'll probably have Iowa Illinois on even though I oh, this is a game that bothers me year after year. Don't like losing to them. But that's a matchup you should be watching. Because Cooper DeGene, obviously not playing. He broke his foot. He is done. Hopefully we'll see him um, maybe down in Mobile. We'll see. He seems like the guy as a junior who would go down there, if anybody would. Right? And at the Combine as well. Now, Wake Forest, Notre Dame. Jasheen Davis, six three two fifty nine has an 81 rush grade, 72.8 run defense grade, 40 pressures, 8 sacks this year. Flying a little bit under the radar as an edge rusher, okay, from Wake Forest. Potentially going to line up for hopefully some snaps against Joe Alt. Maybe he's always, maybe he'll always be against Fisher this week. I'm just hoping we get a few snaps for him against Joe Alt. Right, Joe Alt. We talked about 6'8", 322. Only four pressures allowed this year as a ninety three point four pass blocking grade. A, a game that if you want to, if you want to turn it on, I would turn it on. You know, maybe look at Kalen Carson at corner for Wake Forest. Maybe look at Mitchell Evans at tight end for Notre Dame. Moving on, North Carolina, Clemson. Okay, can Drake May handle the pressure that might be thrown at him in the in terms of Andrew Mukuba, in terms of like the the kind of the nickel, the slot safety guy they might send him a ton with a lot of closing speed, but they have guys like Tyler Davis, like Rook Oroworow, promise that's how you pronounce it, uh, as your two interior guys. Oroworow is the better pass rusher. Tyler Davis is the run stuffer. They can get after it though. How can he handle that pressure this week against Clemson? Going to be an important game to watch May in, I think, for sure. Just like it will be for Williams against UCLA, which we'll get to. But in this matchup, I want to see Nate Wiggins, who we talked about already. Right, 6'2", 185, 77 coverage grade, 43.6 passer rating allowed. One interception, three pass breakups this year. Not targeted as much. Maybe they won't target him. When he goes up against Tez Walker, who, right, the transfer from the MAC, UNC got a little bit of late start to the season, late eligibility granted. 6'2", 200, 35 catches, 600 yards, 6 touchdowns, 8 of 12 contested wins. Watch Tez Walker play. I guarantee you, Packers fans, the comp is there. You're going to see it. Christian Watson. Looks like him. Runs like him with the long strides. Struggles with the, the route break transitions. It looks just like Christian Watson. Okay, That's going to be a really fun matchup if those two get lined up a ton. We'll see how... how Tez Walker can handle maybe some of the more big boy routes on the outside. Unless he's just going to be beating him deep, which he might do. Okay, UCLA-USC. I've talked about Williams under pressure, how the grades are are bad. 34 pass in grade and 16 turnover-worthy plays. Latu-Latu has 51 pressures, 12 sacks this year. Okay, 6'5", 265. Gabriel Murphy, 6'3", 260. 47 pressures, 7 sacks. They're going to be after him. Hopefully, it's not a bunch of screen and quick game to the perimeter. They let him read stuff out. He can play within the pocket. Going to be hard to escape against these guys. So, you can definitely watch Caleb Williams in his last game just to get a feel for the quarterback position there. Minnesota against Ohio State. Again, not a lot of matchups to watch in this game, but the one I would be watching is how Tyler Newman, 6'2", 210 safety for Minnesota, handles the bevy of weapons that Ohio State will throw at them with the receiving core right now. Cade Stover at tight end, Harrison Ibuka, the new guy who's Carnell Tate, uh, he's underclassman. They're going to throw a lot at Minnesota. Hopefully, uh, we get to see Newman targeted a little bit. I'm not joking. I, you read these, you're going to be you're going to be losing your mind. A 90.6 grade this year, 68.6 in run defense. I think he's better off playing back there in coverage. Uh, 81 tackle grade though, so that's good news. 91.1 in coverage. Okay, he has five pressures, which I think is cool. Four interceptions, four pass breakups. Guess what he's allowing in coverage right now, passer rating? Zero. I'm not joking. It is it is zero. Zero passer rating. That is worse than spiking the ball in every play by a long shot. Honestly, I couldn't believe it when I looked at it. It is 100% a 0.0. The most the the highest passer rating he's allowed in a game this year is fifty six point three. That is absolutely absurd what he's doing at safety right now. Unreal stuff. He looks like safety one right now to me. Okay, so that's a big game to watch. If if you're into trench play, Washington Oregon State. I know. Fall in love with Polk Odunze Penix. Perfect. Tune in for those guys. I think you should. Braylon Trice, 6'4", 274, has an 88 grade as a pass rusher, 54 pressures, 5 sacks. He plays out of control, though, like Newton does, like Wyatt does, 54 tackle grade. Not great. Zion Tupuola-Fatui, 6'4", 254, 19 pressures, 4 sacks this year. Going up against, okay, Talia Fuaga, who we've talked about a lot, right? Brought him up a few episodes ago as the tackle to watch the rise. He has completed the rise. 6'6", um his run block is his pass blocking grade is a 76. Run blocking grade's a 93. He's just allowed 10 pressures this year. Joshua Gray is 6'4, 305, more of the traditional left tackle looking type. Pass blocking grade is 56. This might be deadly uh for whoever's lined up on him. Could be a long day for DJ Uyangalay if Trice is rushing against Gray. Something to watch in that game, though. Texas, Iowa State is the last one I'm going to give you guys before I get out of here. Uh, and you guys get absolutely bored of me. For those who aren't still bored and they're still here, Wild, you're awesome. Uh, if you aren't watching this late at night on a Friday or a Saturday, I'll be streaming live on YouTube. If you go to my Twitter at Jake NFL Draft, you can find the link for that. I'll be talking to a lot about prospects as well. But Xavier Worthy and Adonai Mitchell against TJ Tampa in this game. Texas loses Jonathan Brooks for the season. Sounds like he might return. Okay. Tampa is 6'2", 200, has an 88.1 coverage grade. He's a lot of 45.1 rating and coverage, two picks, six pass breakups, one touchdown, okay? Xavier Worthy is listed at 6'1", 172. I imagine it's going to be more like 5'10", and 5'8", and maybe 5'11", flat, and 168 pounds. He's Devonta Smith size. With, with the ability to run crisp routes like Devonta Smith, but also has elite speed to win on the field. Has 59 for 757 and four this year, 2.31 yards per route run. Adonai Mitchell's a bigger dude, 6'4", 196. Taller, leaner. Fluid as heck through those route breaks. 40 catches, 637 yards, nine touchdowns. No matter where Tampa's at, one of those guys is probably going to be going against him. That is a popcorn-worthy matchup on Saturday. Okay, we've talked a lot I take a deep breath. I've rambled a ton. Um, hopefully, there's some good info in there for you guys. Uh, if you want, we'll start breaking down positions um, more, you know, more as a whole, right quarterbacks, running backs. You know, we don't talk a lot about the running back because the class isn't very good, but let me know about that. Follow me at Jake NFL Draft. You can suggest that to me Put the suggestion on Ryan's Patreon for the Patreon listeners as well. Uh, you, you know, if you're on the Packernet Facebook page, you can find me there, too. So all of that jazz so look for me uh to suggest stuff for the show would love to take suggestions and uh yeah i will see you guys very soon i'm I'm hoping to get back to monday friday shows for you guys as we ramp up draft stuff there will be stuff to talk about on monday for sure hope to see you guys then until then enjoy your friday see you guys